What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes, and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Rob and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast. You're invited to join the club for episode 108 as we chat with copywriter, brand strategist, and coach Linda Perry about why she made the jump from prosecutor to copywriter, the processes she uses to clarify her client's messaging, as well as the importance of getting the right mindset and how hidden beliefs can sabotage your success. Linda, welcome. Hey, Linda. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. I feel like prosecutor to copywriter. That sounds like a podcast. I feel like you should get that started. That does sound like a podcast, more than just an interview. Right. I hate to your bubble, guys, but I was a defense attorney. Oh, uh, no. We've ruined the intro. That's It doesn't uh, have the same ring to it, too, yeah, but exactly. that's okay. Guys. <laughs> so, Linda, let's start with your story and how you ended up as a copywriter. Yeah, I definitely don't have that traditional path, but I feel like, you know, even though I was a defense attorney, the seeds of being a copywriter literally started when I was like six years old. I think I, you know, gave every stuffed animal, every Barbie, every car a story. And so I was always really wrapped up in the storytelling part of life. And, you know, I always wanted to be a copywriter, but with immigrant parents that were like, no, no, you need a profession. I I went and became a lawyer. And part of what I loved about being a lawyer was really my paper walked through the door before I did. It was always about telling someone's story. So after 17 years of being a criminal defense attorney, you kind of get tired, (laughs) you get a little worn out. And I really started to think about who is it that I wanted to be. And with a little life coaching background, I, you know, sort of pursued life coaching really changed a bit of my beliefs about what I thought had to happen in my life. I recognized that I really loved giving people a voice and I wanted to do it in a different way. So I took the leap, you know, somewhere around the age of 40 and just decided it was time to pursue what I had always really wanted to do from even being a little kid. So it's a bit of a strange road, but it's, it's been perfect for me. Okay, so we've already talked about this before, but we both really loved Barbies growing up, which is now not cool. Like it's not PC to say that because Barbies are not in anymore. Yeah, but and we should clarify just a second. So when you say we both, you're talking about you and Linda, not <laughs> not Kira and Rob, right? Because I was really no, the three of us. So. The three of us have talked about this many times. Many times. Yes, Linda and I have talked about this. So I want to hear. You just kind of glossed over it, but you mentioned that that's you created these stories around. Barbies and other toys growing up. So I'm not sure what my question is here, but I want to hear more about that and then how you do that today in your business. Yeah. You know, I think I just had a really active imagination when I was a kid and I just loved giving them, you know, a world that they lived in. I wanted to know how they thought, what they were doing, what really made them tick. I mean, I can literally remember at the age of six, just creating a whole you know, maybe it's almost like soap opera, like, you know, where they had this whole community and lived and I really, each of them had their own personality. And so, you know, and the way it sort of translates into my life today is, is that I, I still think I dig deep into what's driving people. What is it that, that really, what gives them purpose? What gives them the drive to go after something? And so I think that kind of translates into the way I approach, you know, working with clients or even, 
you know, all my copy or whatever I write. So it's, <laughs> I always think it has its seeds. It, it made me more creative. I mean, I wanted the Barbie upground pool and I, I didn't get it. And so I had to really work my way around it. And so I had to sell myself really on this bucket becoming, you know, she had an up, she had a different kind of pool. <laughs> kind of the way I think Barbie influences me still to this day. That's funny. So Linda, I'm really interested in the aspect of your career, the legal part of your career and how that's impacted how you write copy. Because, you know, it seems like there's so many things in law that translate to what we do in copywriting research and, you know, writing out either briefs or oral arguments or those kinds of things. But how would you say that being an attorney has made you a better copywriter? I think in every way, I think about it every day, how my process for writing or defending a client is really not that different from really representing someone's brand. So I started, you know, one of the things I loved about being a criminal defense attorney is you had to learn something new every day and you had to learn it fast. So one day it was mortgage fraud. One day it was, you know, the next was immigration and you know, it may be a drug case, but you had to really dive in and understand the process so that you could actually write about it, so you could convince somebody of your version of the story. You know, and, and I should say also, you know, you had to read a jury. You had to really understand what somebody's thinking. How do you convince somebody? What is it that maybe will impact them the most? And so that kind of stuff, being a trial attorney, translates so perfectly into what I do today because it's the same approach. You know, I start out by looking at what really is the problem that your ideal client's facing? What is it that really motivates them? And I, I'm really good at standing in that person's shoes because of it. Because you know, when you're a trial attorney, you have to stand in sort of everybody's shoes. So you could tell, you know, as my my former partner used to say, so you could play the movie for somebody. And so I still think I, I do that with my process in that. I start out with really looking at what's the problem, what motivates somebody, what's what's really the objections they're going through, and then you research, and then you can finally start to write. And so I'm always living as that person. And so I think it it really helped being an attorney, and it's it was sort of the perfect transition to what I do today. So talk about that transition as well. Like, what were the first copywriting clients like? How did you find them? You know. Did you like stop being an attorney and then you started being a copywriter? Did you ease into it? What was that transition like? You know, I think like a lot of people, I had a period of exploration. So I didn't hop right into copywriting. I actually went and explored life coaching for a while. I had followed the work of best-selling author Debbie Ford, and I chose to sort of dive into her program and watched it really change my life. You know, life coaching sort of gave me the courage to leave law. I, it was sort of a safe place for me. I was a rock star. I had a, a, a great career. And life coaching sort of gave me the courage to start to explore what I loved. And what happened, though, when I became a life coach is, is that I recognized that about 80% of them fail. And I went, well, why is that? And of course, the lawyer in me had to be like, well, let's go research that. And what it really came down to is, is that a lot of life coaches or people in the wellness industry really don't know how to share what they do in a, a unique way. So I started out slowly with my own, my own brand, and I started to really learn what does it take to actually share your message. And so I would take, you know, whosoever course I could find and really learn about, well, how do I stand out? You know, it was, you know, I would do some of Marie Forleo's work, or I'd, I'd just really start slowly in 
You know, I'd follow Amy Porterfield. I would start to follow people and try to understand what it meant to share your message. And then as my business grew with life coaching, a lot of other life coaches came to me and said, how did you do that? Can you help me? And so all of a sudden I found myself writing and helping other coaches And it sort of was, you know, I I was wearing my superwoman cape and thinking, hey, I could run two businesses at the same time. And again, getting burnt out, I just said, okay, I got to pick one. And I really, you know, there's an exercise I actually do with a lot of clients that I call the suitcase exercise, but it's really like I I put in what is it that I want to do? What are the pieces of my career that I love so that I can actually figure out what I want to do? And so I, I realized that writing and giving people a voice was so important to me that I ended up leaving life coaching and, or I guess really incorporating it into a copywriting and brand strategy business so that I could really serve people in a better way. So that's sort of the transition I made. It took, you know, a few years from becoming a lawyer and and letting that go to really having a, a thriving copywriting business. And just so I have context, what was the timing on that? So when did you jump from being the attorney to coaching and then into copywriting? So that was probably about, you know, eight years ago that I started this process. Okay. And I think I started slowly with a certification in life coaching, and then I got a second certification. So I spent probably about three or four years in that life coaching place. And I think I've been running Soul Genius Branding for probably about three years now. Okay. So when it comes to coaching, I have a couple questions about it. I'm just going to throw at you. So how does your coaching background help you with your clients now so that you're more useful and providing a better experience and more quality work? How can copywriters get better at this too? Because I think we can all use that as a skill set. Because I imagine we don't have to necessarily be certified. We can start practicing and taking some of what you've learned and using it in our business. Yeah, because a lot of it, I think, is just understanding human nature. And I think I, I use coaching to help people really get over that fear that they have of putting themselves out there. Sometimes they'll look at copy and be like, no, 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 this isn't right. Or they get really frozen all of a sudden. And I, I use the coaching to really address what is it that they're afraid of. And a lot of people really focus on how they're not unique, right? They don't think they have anything that's going to make them different. And so they really get caught up in, wait, should I be, you know, should I really sort of stand out there, kind of copy, what should it, how do I do this, right? And so we work through a lot of the beliefs that they have and and I'll just sort of address them. And when I see clients getting frozen, like, for example, if you've got that client who just isn't returning the edits, right? You can sit there and, and, and address some of the fears in a, in a quiet way. I mean, just explain, hey, I get it. This is really frightening to put yourself out there. And I have a lot of clients that are like, oh, my God, this is so real when they see the copy. And I think I just use the coaching to help them understand that, you know, fears are, fears are always going to be there. But I always teach my clients that fear really is your friend. It's there to, to remind you you know, that you're about to break through your, your ceiling and achieve something incredible. So I think I just use it as a, as a strategy to move people along and really support them in getting out there and, and not just, you know, settling with having a website, but really going out there and, and sharing what they have. Linda, when you were talking about your transition, you mentioned the suitcase exercise that you have. Yeah. What is that? I'm curious because I've never done a suitcase exercise. Maybe I should be doing this. Tell us what that is. 
it's really simple. And it just sort of dawned on me one day as I was sitting there going, hey, which way am I going? But the suitcase exercise is this. And it's imagine that you're about to go on a journey for the next year. And you have a limited amount of space. I mean, you're carrying a travel size bag, right, that you can stow in the, the overhead bin. And only the essentials of your life can go into that suitcase. And I'm not talking about your cell phone. I'm not talking about your kids' pictures. I'm talking about the parts of yourself that you want to bring forward. So for example, for me, it was, you know, when I was thinking about being a lawyer, I said, what part of it did I love? And believe it or not, I loved sentencing days because it was the time I could share somebody's story in a way they couldn't do it. It was a way that I could actually give people sort of a voice in, in a persona. And so I said, that has to go into my suitcase, right? And so little pieces, I love being helpful. I love talking to people all day long. So little pieces had to go into the suitcase and only the essentials. And when you actually start to look at what you've put in there, it really gives you clarity on where you want to go. And you can use this in terms of who do you want to serve or what is your next evolutionary leap? Who do you want to be tomorrow? So it's really kind of a simple exercise about looking over your life, looking over the things that you love and putting those things in there so that you can really see who you want to be. I love that. What size suitcase can we use for this? Is this like a big <laughs> suitcase or a little suitcase? It's the one that goes in the overhead bin on the plane. Like oh. you are taking carry on, Kira. <laughs> okay. This might be challenging, but I love this exercise. Rob and I will try it. We'll get our physical suitcases out when we're together next and we'll, we'll work through this. Sounds good. So I want to hear about the one thing that's helped you really, I'm going to say up level your copywriting career. And I'm really thinking about like that moment where you're like, okay, I've got this and I can do this. And this is what I was meant to do. And what led to that moment? You know, I've always known that I can write I mean, it's sort of one of those things like you talk about what's your zone of genius, what comes easy to you, right? And writing has just been one of those things. And I think the thing that's really up-leveled it is I'm, I'm a quick study. And so I, I knew that I was able to write content for websites and do all these things. But I knew I also lacked the structure. I mean, you guys know my sister's also a copywriter and she's like the super structure gal. I'm the sort of more creative one. But I realized that I wasn't serving my clients well if I wasn't investing in really understanding some of the tools that you need in order to share, you know, copy in a in a way that's going to attract your audience. And and really there's a formula to it. There's a layout. There's a, there are things that are important. So I did invest and become a story brand certified guide. And I think, you know, what that did is really give me structure to what I was already doing naturally, but in a way that really makes sense for my clients and it's it's made the world of difference in terms of being able to understand how to help my clients stand out in a better way. And I think, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I've heard a lot of copywriters talking about lately is that really investing in some of these courses that help you really put a structure around what you do is so important. And I think that really was that aha moment, like, yeah, I really needed this. I really wasn't serving my clients well until I I really invested in my own education. And I think that's super important. We've promoted StoryBrand in our group and shared Don's book in the past. And so I think a lot of our listeners may be familiar with it. But for those who aren't familiar with it, would you mind just giving us kind of like the couple minute rundown on what is the StoryBrand framework and why is it valuable? 
Absolutely. So Story Brand was started by Don Miller. He has a book out there called Building a Story Brand. And what it is basically is, is that it's a positioning of your audience as the hero. So many of us know, it's almost a relief. So many of us think we have to be the hero in the story. But the reality is, is there's only room for one hero, and that's your ideal audience. And so Don created a seven-step framework, if you will, on sharing your brand message that really puts forward your hero, your audience through a journey. And it's really all about them and addressing their problems in a really simple, clear way. One of the things I really love about the story brand method is, is that we think we have to give people so much information, but really every piece of information is like an eight pound bowling ball. And so, you know, we can only handle so many of them after three of these eight pound bowling balls, you know, you just drop them and that's what your audience is doing. So it's really about talking to the brain about how to really move through copy and, and convincing people that you're the person for them. And so the story brand framework really simplifies everything, I think, and allows you to share your message with a lot of clarity. It's my favorite part of it really is, is if you see a river and what you're really doing is, is helping people, you're putting like stones in the water and helping people cross the river. And it's really the, it's a river of decision-making. And so that's really basically what the story brand framework is. And it's pretty effective. I mean, I, for my own business, I can say it's made a huge difference. I mean, just implementing it on my site has really changed. I mean, it's quadrupled my business. Wow. Let's talk more about that. So it sounds like you're saying that you were looking for some type of structure, some type of process for your business to help you help your clients and story brand fit that for you. And maybe it won't fit for everyone and they can find whatever that is for them. But I'd like to hear more about how it has impacted your business and blown it up really in the best way possible. Uh, like specifically, what changes did you start making and how did it change your business? I suppose several different ways. One of the things I will say is, is Don Miller does support his guides. And so he does, you know, anybody who's who does follow Don Miller can find any one of us guides sort of on his website. But what it's done on my own personal website is I changed the messaging. And I will say just having a clear call to action, I have scheduled a call all over my website. And Clients will time and time again say, it is absolutely clear what you want me to do. You want me to schedule a call with you. It is, I mean, it's all over my website. The three ways that people can interact with me, it's, you know, schedule a call, get a personalized plan, and you get to go back to doing what you love while I help do your brand strategy and copy. It's super clear and it makes it easy for people to really identify themselves. And so I think it's just the website in and of itself has been the biggest Leap, And then I think from that is, is I have a very consistent message that I share on social media, whether it's through Facebook, Instagram, which is, you know, become my latest obsession, but it's really allowed me to, to understand exactly what my audience needs to hear time and again, instead of really bouncing everywhere, you know, being sort of attracted to the latest thing. It's, it keeps me focused and on message. So tell us a little bit about your process then when you start engaging a prospect for the first time, you know, how do you start getting that information so that you can then build the story brand or follow the framework that story brand has? Like, what's that interaction? What do you ask for? What do you get from your clients? I always start out with that 30 minute session. It sometimes goes to an hour, but it's really understanding what people's needs are. You know, where are they in their process? You know, are they best served by having a website or do they need sort of direct marketing? Do they need sales letters? All those things, because 
StoryBrand has a method for all of it. But usually when I onboard people, one of the first things I do is make sure that I'm understanding their ideal client first. I think there's always, before I ever can get to StoryBrand, I really want to know who people serve. And then the StoryBrand framework is, it's a three-hour session. And we really just sort of dive into the seven points of the framework. We go into really a lot about who the hero is. We talk about their problems from three different levels. So the process is really about engaging my client. And I love, you know, seeing my clients. So I do everything on Zoom. I'm a huge fan of it. So if people aren't where I am, which is in Colorado, it's easy. Great. No problem. We hop on Zoom and we do this brainstorming and it allows people to not have to sort of pigeonhole themselves, but we really spend this three hour time of, of going through each step. Like who are they? What do they offer their hero as the guide? And so we, we do all of that stuff through a process. And I never you know even get to writing until probably like a third or fourth call because it's really research and understanding how they fit into the framework. And if somebody wanted to, you know, short of buying the book or going through the course, but kind of wants to follow this framework, what would you say the first steps would be? So let's say I wanted to redo my website, which is true, I do. Like what should... I be doing in addition to that research to, you know, get my story straight or, you know, start doing things so that I'm going to get the same kind of benefit that you got when you redid your site? Well, I guess there's a couple of things. One thing is to understand yourself as the guide. What is it that somebody really wants from you? And it's a lot less than you think. They really want two things. They want empathy and they want authority. So that empathy piece, they just want to know, hey, you get me. And that's really comes from, hey, I've worked with people exactly like you, or I've been in your shoes. I mean, it's pretty simple, but it's really understanding your own personal story of how you help people. And authority is a lot less than people think. You know, one of the things we talked about with you know, my clients in particular is that they're like, why would somebody hire me? I mean, I don't have the authority. Hey, Linda, you were an attorney once, you know, that's authority in and of itself. But really authority, all it is, is do you have the skills? Do you have the training? Do you have a process? You know, what is it that it takes to get me to where I want to go? I mean, for new copywriters, if you have a process and you know exactly how to get somebody to where they want to go, share that. That's what people want to know. And so I think if you can convey that in a site, and that's something that I hear over and again, is, is that I feel like you get me. I feel like you've stood in my shoes. If you can convey that in a site, that's half the battle. So I think that made a huge difference is really stop talking so much about who you are, but really just share those two points and you're going to really change how you attract the people you want to you know, find. Now, you mentioned the three-hour kickoff call. So you know, I usually go about 90 minutes or so and then I tap out, but I'm always looking for ways to improve those calls that really sets up the project for success. So I'm just wondering how I could access what you talk about in that three-hour call. Is that something that you pulled from the story brand program? Um, is that something I could access in the book? Or is that something like your own secret sauce and you've got your own way of doing it? You know, I put my spin on everything. And I think that all of us do that. But I think when it comes to the story brand framework, it's in the book. You can sort of follow the points of the framework from the book. He also has it, I think, on his website. You can actually do your own story branding. He has it where you can actually electronically fill it in. And what it is is really is the seven points are you've got your hero who's got a problem, who meets the guide, who you know offers him a solution, like a three-step plan, who calls him to action, who then shows him success, and then the failures they avoid. 
So that's the complete framework. And as I'm walking them through each section, you know, we talk about the problems and not just from like what's happening in their life, but how's that making them feel like inside? What's the frustration? And it's more than just frustration. So you just keep digging and you keep going under the layers. So the framework is accessible, definitely online. And if, you know, I've seen people apply it, you know, obviously Don Miller wants people to get certified and you can't hold yourself out as a guide unless you have been certified. But there is stuff that you learned in the training that really helps you do that process. I think there's definitely more than what I had learned reading it or taking his online course. He does help you get through that process in a way that three hours goes really fast, Kira. (laughs) Well, I think that all of it kind of connects back to what you were saying originally about having a structure and a process, which is what, you know, Rob and I talk a lot about in our accelerator program. And this is what gives you that process so that you're not just arriving on a kickoff call and just winging it which I've done in the past. So you're working through a process that we can all access in the book or the program. I want to ask more about how you're getting clients today, because I know that you are quite busy and have a lot of work coming your way. It sounds like you might be getting some from the website through StoryBrand. But what are some of the other ways? What else are you doing to attract the right clients? So I'm pretty active in terms of my own personal brand and I keep evolving that. And I know you and I've talked about that. And one of the things I do is I'm pretty active on social media. I am consistent in terms of the things that I teach my clients, I consistently do. I actually love brand strategy. So for me, I am out there using social media and I post you know, on Instagram every single day. I do things that are important for my clients. Like I have a 15 minutes to genius video that I post in Facebook. I send it out actually to my tribe Sunday night. I, I post the video on like Facebook, IGTV, YouTube on Mondays, but it's really about building your business 15 minutes at a time. So I'm out there and I, it's funny, I, I just got my first lead off of Instagram. So persistence works. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And it was a, it was sort of a local person that had said, I had no idea how I found you, but I've been following you. And I, I just think you've got what I need. So I'm getting them from all sorts of places. I also am really lucky. I teach a a branding course at the Ford Institute where I had been certified as a life coach. So I have pretty rich network of life coaches. But, you know, once you get started, I'm really lucky to also have a great referral base. I, I work with some clients that are just so generous in sharing me to other people, but it's really getting out there. I also do story brand keynote speeches. It's one of the things that I've loved about Don is he does give us tools. So I live here in Vail, Colorado, and I often will do keynote speeches. It's gotten me so involved with the Vail Valley businesswomen that they actually just made me a board member. So it's just remaining active on, I always say, local and sort of global levels and being unafraid of putting yourself out there. So I want to talk about maybe some of the behind the scenes of the 15 minutes to genius that you do. And, and mostly because I think there are a lot of people who think, Oh, I should be out, you know, doing video or doing podcasts or, you know, doing something else in order to build my authority, but they're afraid to do it. And you're, your videos are awesome, but before we started recording, you were saying that they're not really scripted out. You, you just kind of go talk about like the setup, how you plan what you're going to say and what you're doing. Because like I said, they're, they're great videos and anywhere from say three minutes to you know 15 minutes or so of great advice. Yeah. You know, I 15 minutes of genius started out after I read this book called The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. And Jeff Olson really talks about how we all wait till 
we're overwhelmed and, and we're really, unless we're doing something small each and every day, we're not really building our business. And I love this concept of just doing something small daily. I mean, literally 15 minutes if, if you're so stuck. And so 15 minutes to change the process behind that is, is each month I sit down and I write out what are the topics I want to talk about this month. And they might change based upon what's going on in my life, but there's a balance of mindset videos versus some really practical things that you can do, you know, on Instagram or whatever it is. And so I kind of balance back and forth and I do write out the posts and I write out thoughts about them. But often there are things that I'm, I'm running into in my business. There are things that I get stuck on. And so, you know, I, I have talked to video people and I, I do follow some amazing people who talk about video and learning how to really set that up. And I used to script them, but I found when I script them, I scripted them, I sounded so stiff. So I went back to my attorney days and, and just trusted. I had a partner who used to say, you know, use the force. And so I would kind of just channel that. But what I really do is, is I remember who I'm talking to. And, you know, I, I'm not a fan of video. If I could hide behind my words my whole life, I'd be great. Like so many of us copywriters are like, do we have to go out on video? But I just started off, I, I pull up Zoom, I, I hit record, I, I don't always have makeup on. Sometimes I'm outside hiking and, and I'll just record something then. But it's really about talking to one person, making sure I'm actually looking at that little green button on your, you know, on your computer if I'm doing it via Zoom. But really, I mean, they're only two to three minutes long, Rob. So they're, they're just about making sure I'm sharing something that's important that can help people move forward. But it's then a process of just putting it up on all of the sort of platforms that I think can reach people. Yeah, I love the new new year that just, I think, published maybe a week ago or so and got me thinking this morning. So yeah, I, I love what you're doing there. Thanks. And I, I am a big fan of, I think September's the greatest time to map out your plan because people are really, you know, kids go back to school. It's the greatest time to really think of what you want to do next. So what do you, what do you sit down and kind of think through as you're mapping out the year in September? What are some things that our copywriters can think about as they do that? You know, it's funny. I haven't quite sat down and done mine yet. So this is a good question. <laughs> Great question. Still early in September. We've got, a few I know days. I'm like, okay, it's the sixth. So one of the things that I I think about is okay, who have I served? And you know, I've talked to both of you guys before. You know, because I've been a life coach, I I love that that field. You know, I also understand what it's like to brand as an attorney. And so, do I really want to split myself? And and have I have I served the audience I want to serve? Am I doing too much? I mean, we've talked about this before. I'm I'm a I'm an overdoer, and I. I think it's a time to reflect on who is it that I want to serve and how do I want to serve them? So is it that I, you know, I've recently started doing a a lot more retainer clients and I actually like that model. So how has that been working? You know, I've implemented day rates. Is that working? Is that something that I want to go forward? I mean, I love teaching. So, you know, do I really want to do a membership that makes it affordable for life coaches to really learn how to put themselves out there? So it's things like that, that I'm like, what are the strategies I'm going to put in place? And when am I going to do them? Because I tend to be like, oh, I can do all of this. And then I want to launch everything at the same time. And it's really ineffective. So it's really breaking down your year and understanding when am I doing things, understanding sort of when the slow periods are. And I I think in some ways I'm still learning when that is. And what is it that I need to do to create consistent consistent income? As you know, as copywriters, I think that's one of the biggest struggles because the business can be so up and down. 
that I really think I map it out on, hey, what is it I really love to do? What are the resources I need to help me out? What is it, you know, what do I need to do to create consistent revenue so that I'm not freaking out during those sort of low times? So I think those are the, the things that I sit and map out on every level to make sure that I find a little bit more balance than I have in the past. Okay. There's a lot there that I want to talk about, especially retainers and day rates and not freaking out when it slows down, when business slows down. But I, I want to back up because you are doing social media really well. And it, again, like you're actually doing what you teach your clients to do. And I think it's that's hard right, to even make the time to do that and show up. So I'd like to hear just specifics that you're doing on the various channels, what's working today, because we know social media changes so quickly. And then also, if a copywriter could do one thing and show up in one channel and do one thing, what would you recommend that's working really well for you right now? Gosh, the one thing I think that's working really well, it has been Instagram. I mean, I had an Instagram challenge this summer. And I think that worked really well where I taught people how to use Instagram. And I was teaching myself at the same time. It was kind of fun. And it was really about how do you grow? Because these algorithms, social media for businesses become so difficult to grow organically. I mean, you need to pay for ads. And I'm a big fan of learning how to do it organically. And so what I would say is I love Instagram because I think it's a, it's a great way to connect. I mean, the idea of Instagram stories is super fun too, because you know, if we're copywriters, we're telling stories, but we're just telling our own stories. And so I think that's been working for me the most. I think the next place I want to go is YouTube <laughs> because I think there's such opportunity there where it's not as controlled by the algorithms. And so what I do though is, is I will say I have, I plan out my social media monthly. So I will take the end of the month and I will actually write out what I am doing for the entire month. And I have something that I do on Monday. Like every Friday is my inspiration quotes. Monday is my 15 minutes to genius, but I stick to sort of a plan. You know, I have Thursdays are engagement. If you can stick to those kinds of plans, people know what to expect from you, but you're always being of service in your teaching or you're giving them something. And I think we're always afraid of giving them tips about it. You know, how do you write this or or showing them your work and showcasing your client work. All that stuff is really great to do on social media. And you don't need to do all of them. You really don't. I hate Twitter. I'm not on it. It's not useful for me. But find one that you love. Facebook's getting harder, I won't lie. I mean, Facebook's great if you want to have groups that you lead. But I think Facebook's getting harder and harder to actually reach your audience. I want to shift the conversation just a little bit. I know Kira had some other questions maybe about retainers and day rates, but one of your focuses is mindset and sort of getting everything lined up so that things function properly. And I'm curious, when you look at what copywriters are doing, when you spend time you know, in the Copywriter Club or you know, people that you meet, what are some of the mindset mistakes or mindset problems that you see among copywriters that we need to be working on so that we can perform better? You know, I think it's similar across so many industries. I think one of the things is that we, we talk a lot about <laughs> the imposter syndrome, you know, that we all think we're a fraud, you know, and there are those days that I struggle going, you know, I'm writing stuff and I'm like, who, who would read this? Right. And I think that's one of the biggest mindset issues that we have is, is that we don't, we're always comparing ourselves to others or I'm not as good, you know. I know I even find myself doing that in, in the think tank where I'm looking at some people I'm like, I'm not that funny. Like they're amazing, right? 
And I think that's the biggest mistake is, is that we start to compare ourselves. And it's really getting through that and understanding what you bring to the table and your own value and, and really you know, not looking and comparing at everyone. I mean, one thing I will say is, is it gives me an opportunity to learn, you know, like even just looking at your website the other day, I was like, oh, that's just so cool. Your new website's awesome. And I love that style of writing, but it hasn't been mine. But we all think, oh my God, then I, I can never do that. And I really help people shift through and say, okay, maybe that's someplace that you need to go to learn. You know, maybe that's a style that you want to go learn. And there are places that you can actually learn that. So I think that's the biggest, biggest one. I think fear is, is always present for people. You know, it's, it's, am I going to be able to do this? Can I succeed? Can I actually get the clients? I think that that's a huge one for people all the time. And, and sometimes it's a belief of, oh my God, what happens if I succeed? You know, is my family going to suffer? Is, you know, <laughs> what happens then? So it's sort of, those are the common ones that I, that I often see from, you know, copywriters, anybody really who's going into business by themselves, but definitely for copywriters, those are big ones. What do you do, Linda, when you realize that some of your beliefs are just kind of messed up? <laughs> because I've had, that mo- I've had that moment recently where I'm like, I need to work on some of my beliefs, but how do I do that? And then I was told I should go to a Tony Robbins event, which is cool. So what do you do when you realize I need to work on my beliefs? I don't like what I'm thinking here and I need to change that. You know, it's funny because we all have these sort of limiting beliefs and no matter what happens, you're always going to have limiting beliefs. The thing is, is to remember we're meaning making machines and we're born to, to sort of figure out the world around us. So we're making meaning of everything, but it's really questioning. And I actually, you know, I look at my 16 years old son who has a ton of what ifs going on at all times. And I said, and what if it all turns out just fine? You know, because we never do that. What if? We do the, oh my God, what if it's going to be catastrophic or what if I fail or what if I, you know, and I start to shift my beliefs and really look at, at what's real. And I recognize that a lot of the beliefs that I have, you know, that were formed somewhere when I was really young and unable to actually process the world around them. I used to have this belief, you know, that drove me actually to be a coming overachiever that I was stupid. And the reality is, is that it came from not being able to do this math problem when I was eight years old. And the reality was, is that I just, you know, my parents weren't actually helping me out in the right way. And my sister, who was four and a half years older, of course, she was going to be able to do it. But just connecting with the fact that that, you know, little kid didn't understand how to process the world. It makes me sort of remember, listen, to shift the belief that I really can do anything as long as I give myself the time to do it. It's not about being positive. But it's about recognizing that it's just a belief and that you do actually have the skills to get through it. Because being positive doesn't work. Affirmations don't work. It's actually shifting the belief into something that you can actually buy into, if that makes sense. Totally makes sense. So I'm curious, is there like a simple exercise that we can put ourselves through to identify what those different beliefs might be? Because I'm guessing that the belief that holds me back is very different from the one that holds you back. So how do I figure that out? everything always starts with awareness. And I think you have to listen to your inner dialogue. We don't really listen to that. But, you know, I call it the internal baseball bat. What's the internal baseball bat? What are the things that you yell at yourself about? What are the shoulds? So really listen to the shoulds. You know, we should all over ourselves is the saying, right? But like, what are you shoulding about all day long? Like, I should have done this better. I should have and really listen to it and ask yourself, what's the belief behind it? I mean, it's a simple question. We all know it. You know, and the beliefs are often, they come down to 
several different ones, you know, I'm not enough or I'm not worthy or I'm not smart enough or whatever the enoughs are as well, you can start to identify them and really just, it's really like grabbing a piece of paper and writing some of them down. It's a process of observation. There's no one exercise, but, you know, understanding like what's holding me back. Those are the greatest places to look is if you can't move forward somewhere, there's a belief there and really go there and look. I love this advice. And this is definitely useful for me right now. So I also want to ask you about self-care because we had, we had in our think tank, we had a self-care month. Was that July? Because so many people, you know, at that level are ambitious and just like you take on a lot because they can do a lot. So you were really active and you have, you take care of yourself. How has this changed your business and what does self-care look like to you and mean to you? It's super important. And I tend to forget it too. Like the rest of us, I can start working at six in the morning and work till, you know, 10 at night. I'm really, really good at that. And I'll be like, no, I have to do this for my client. But again, it's like we were just talking about those beliefs. The second I say I have to go do this means I'm neglecting myself. And so I build in a structure like everything else. I schedule my workouts. I schedule when I'm going to go run. So I, and, and it was great because somebody just recently emailed me and said, hey, want to train for a half marathon? And I haven't done one in a couple of years. But it's remembering the kind of self-care that you need. So I always will go work out with a trainer twice a week, but it's not the exact kind of self-care that I need. I mean, I actually need to run because that's my meditation. Some people will say meditate, and I'm really bad at it. But if that's your self-care, go for it. Like carve out the time. Don't skip it. Make it an absolute non-negotiable. And so I make sure that now, you know, I'm tr- I give myself a goal. I mean, goals are amazing because I now have a half marathon that I want to do this winter at some point. So now it, it gets me the kind of self-care that I really need. Dig it. Okay, cool. I mean, I don't even have anything to add to that really. You know, we I took a big long vacation this summer. I'm a lot like you where, you know, I'm willing to work all day and into the night and even sometimes uh, neglecting, you know, time with my kids or those kinds of things just because it maybe it's because I get gratification from it or maybe it's just because there's always more to be done, but taking that time off is critical. I totally agree. Yeah, I feel like I still can improve in this department for sure, but uh, I have been doing a better job at running, which is also my meditation, Linda. Mm. And since I've been doing that regularly, I can feel a difference in my business. And I've actually seen growth and financial growth too. So I think it does pay off and it's worth paying attention to. I want to circle back and ask you, again, you mentioned retainer clients are working, day rates are working, you're trying these new packages. I want to hear a little bit more about how they're working for you and how you're making them work for you too, right? We also know that there are lots of horror stories about retainers and even maybe day rates, So what are you doing that's making them work? I'd love to hear more about that. Let's start with day rates because it's a little easier, but they they were a great thing to try out with clients that sort of a warm audience, if you will, clients that really wanted to work with me, but maybe couldn't afford some of my higher packages and my higher rate packages. And this, the day rate's a great way to give people something of value quickly. And so I do it for areas that I actually am really familiar with so that the research isn't really intense. You can't really do a day rate with something that you have to spend a lot of time researching. But what's really working is, is that I, I can write pretty quickly and give people what they want. I've made mistakes with it and I'm learning. You know, the editing process, you can probably get one round of edits, but sometimes people really want more. So how do you deal with that aspect of it? So I'm making mistakes there and learning quickly. 
But I'm also learning that you can't do more than one day right a week <laughs> because it's exhausting. So those are kind of fun processes that I'm, I'm learning. I'd like to continue to do them. I'm getting smarter about scheduling them. Retainers, I think those are really great things to do also with clients that you've built trust with. So, you know, I currently have two and I'm considering a third retainer client that I'm delivering content and strategy over the course of the month. And we've sort of agreed on a flat fee. And I, I kind of love it because you stay involved with the team and you can really see the impact. So in particular with one client, I got to write a quiz that she's now had, I think, I think like 8,000 new subscribers. It's kind of crazy. It was very, she's sort of a big name anyway, but it was, it was fun. And what's happening now is I get to write another quiz. I get to help her with her membership stuff. So you get to see the evolution of that and really help them sort of with their return on their investment. I think you get to see a greater sort of, it's a greater reward even as a copywriter because you get to continue sharing their voice and really become part of their team. And can you share how you make the retainer work for you financially too? Because again, sometimes those just end up taking so much time and not paying enough. Not necessarily, you don't have to necessarily share what you're charging, but just how you structured that and how you figured out how much to charge for a retainer. You know, one of the things is I I asked you, (laughs) I talked to other people who were doing it and trying to figure out, you know, how many hours am I going to be doing copy versus strategy? And I charge strategy at a higher rate than I would for copy. And I, I think I'm still learning to see. I mean, one of the things I had said with my first retainer client, I said, hey, this is where I'm setting it now. Can we keep an eye on the hours and go from there? And luckily, she's a really receptive client, so I'm lucky. But I think it's really a little guesswork at first. And I'm, I'm probably going to be tweaking it as we go. And I think having a few of these is actually sort of a nice base for me in terms of really setting the proper expectations. Like if I'm going to have 10 hours, I really probably need to make sure I stick to 10 hours a month or is it 20 hours, but really be able to say, what are the expectations and what is it that I I am going to be delivering for you? Okay. And what is next for you? What are you most excited about right now in your business? No, I think what I'm really excited about is after having sort of some struggles is, is making sure that all my processes line up. I'm really excited that I have been serving an audience that has naturally grown. And I love being sort of in that life coaching wellness industry because I am able to make an impact for people. And so I think, I think the fact that I, I'm just providing new services and ways to help people get out there is what excites me the most. And so I think that's kind of what's coming up is, is that I'd like to see a little more consistency and, and, and just find a nice steady pace, actually. It kind of feels like you've got it all figured out, Linda, in talking to you. It's, right. It seems, seems like you've got a great business and a you know, great set of clients. Well, and really, it's kind of a difference from a few months ago, I think, where I was still really struggling with myself. But it's just, I think I've gotten clear. And I think that really helps. Awesome. So I'm loving it. If people want to connect with you and you know learn more about you or see the 15 Minutes to Genius videos, where should they be looking for you? You know, you can always go to soulgeniusbranding.com, sign up on my list, or you know, find me on Facebook, Soul Genius Branding, or Instagram, which is also Soul Genius Branding. So I'm there. I, I would love anybody to start following and, and tuning in and sharing. You know, I'm a big, please share your stuff. Tell me what you need. Tell me your challenges. Tell me your victories. So tune in there and I'd love to hear from people. Awesome. Thanks so much for making time for us. Thank you, Linda. 
You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode. Thank you.